You're listening to. And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 156. My name is Marvin Yuan, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have the once in future professional Asian American, Jess Ju. Hello, Marvin. What up, Jess? I'm good, and I'm so sorry. You know, I feel like Chowder only barks when he knows I'm podcast recording. So, hi, Chowder, fourth host. <laughs> hey, Chowder. Um, what is how is how is your um how is your anxiety dog doing these days? Um, still anxious as am I, but it's uh, he's cute. he looks really cute right now. He's like two weeks out from a haircut. He's just super, <laughs> super adorable right now. So I will forgive the menacing menace mm, theme things he does. <laughs> also joining us, the most professional culture editor, Han Win. Hey, Han. Hello. How are you doing? It's um, I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a long time, but I don't really see you guys that often anyways. I mean, we had a dinner a few weeks back, but in general, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, puttering along. We're in a weird moment because of the the strikes and um, but there's still TV going on. So we're still trying to cover stuff. But all of the and then the, all the Emmys FYC stuff is going on. So, yeah, it's kind of like half of it is not too many big things going on. Um, but then half of it is we're still busy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? It's because we usually record on Tuesday nights, but I was not in town. And so we are not recording Friday night at the very last moment before Jess um, takes off on her, her next trip. So, uh, yeah. Yes, Marvin and I are essentially switching places. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you almost high fived in the air. Yeah. Um, I did try to tag on to Marvin's trip, but he brought his yeah. wife and I was like, oh, yeah. I guess I shouldn't. I guess that's inter- not your place. I should not third wheel this trip. <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah, I just came back from New York. Jess is about to go to New York. And this week we're talking about New York, specifically New York, Brooklyn's very own Spider-Man, Miles Morales in the latest Spider-Man um, Sony animated movie across the Spider-Verse. Um, but before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through this week um since i've been gone uh jess what's popping so i have been in the throes of stress wedding planning because right now i'm in between gigs so i was like let's try to do everything i possibly can to prep in this when i have free time is this a good idea probably not but i have been so you know hbo became max and we just get the TLC Discovery Catalog, which includes Food Network, and we get Good Eats, the full catalog, which I mm. have not had access. I know Alan Brown is a dubious character now, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I've just been putting it on in the background. Some episodes are better than others. Some episodes are real racist, like real mm-hmm. racist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, it was there all along. But you know, I already pay for Max. It is what it is. Um, and it is very funny to mm-hmm. kind of revisit some of these episodes that really got me into cooking in the first place. Yeah. And a lot of the principles I still use. And just to kind of see how, like, low the production value was in the early mm-hmm. days. And, like, you know, the square screen. And uh, now, so just a lot of food content. Of course, I, I, like, watch the Top Chef finale a million times. But just kind of, like, in that, like, low-key, I'm going to watch people cook world as i like try to get my own domestic affairs in order 
there is still a hole in my house, my roof. And at this point now, because I am fun employed, I stare at it all day. So like really trying to get landlord to do that. I need something lighthearted. I need something fun. And thus far, Good Eats has been scratching that itch. (laughs) Can Um, you give me a example of a racist moment from Good Eats? They have a whole episode called Turning Japanese and it's as bad Mm -hmm. as you think it is. Yeah. I, I I will have to say in general, I agree. Uh, good Eats had a really good, tapped into a really good formula, which was, you know, like making it accessible in a way, mixing science with skits and sort of humor. But the problem was when it comes to, you know, of course, white dudes is when they do skits, they get racist. Yes. Uh, yes. Anytime so. it gets a little ethnic, gets a little dubious. Yeah. Um, oh, this is the I whole Bake Off like, problem, isn't it? Oh, I mean, he just has a, such a deep catalog. I do enjoy W, his mm-hmm. kitchen equipment specialist, who apparently yeah. is just his real-life dentist. Yeah, no, it, it was really fun. That was a formative thing for me for uh, cooking also. So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I sort of just didn't watch those episodes. <laughs> You know? Yeah, I would always skip those too. So yeah. you know, I'm doing the same thing, skipping those in the catalog. And you know, his turkey recipe is still the one I use for Thanksgiving. So it, you went, you know, you you found a public park, but you're also a eugenicist. What are you going to do? Humanity's <laughs> hard. Oh. All right, that that's a true story, by the way. I learned that in when I went to Muir Woods, they had like this little plaque and they're like oh mm-hmm. they're founders but like in honor of like you know not whitewashing history and being honest about like the history of the america america like we also have to acknowledge that they these founders had very like problematic um ideas as well so like mm-hmm. you know they preserved this piece of land and you know protected this like old growth forest but also they hated asian people and were eugenicists i'm like you win some yeah. you lose some yeah this is not terribly surprising the more we yeah. learn about our country. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a pretty pretty big L there. <laughs> but but Todd, what have you been? So What's popping with you? So the opposite of that, uh, in ways, is um, I also got my chance to watch Joyride. It was um, at a screening in Koreatown. Ooh. I'm excited because I've been meaning to check out this theater because whenever I search Koreatown theater and then it comes up i was like i've never heard of it and so now that i realize it's not a bad theater and sometimes they include movies with korean subtitles i was like oh well i'll go here now and then get my food at the same time it's also in the same plaza as an h mart or it's called the cgv yes cgv which i was just like i'd never heard of that before you've never been to cgv no no i hadn't because you know, I just didn't know what it was. I was like, I've heard of AMC and Regal and whatever, but I don't know what a CGV is. So anyway, um, I like it. I went with Angie Han, um, and uh, I don't want to go too deep. We will be covering Joyride, but you know, since it's it's kind of clear that this is a raunchy four friends on an adventure trip through China, and there was an adoption storyline um, reunion. But I what I liked is since most people know the like three of the four. I do want to give a shout out to Sabrina Wu, who plays the fourth friend, um, whose character name is Deadeye. Don't know how I, if I love that. But uh, <laughs> but in general, I did like their vibe. Um, and there was a sort of a sweetness. Uh, th- they are a BTS fan um, in the movie. And uh, so, yeah, overall, it, it just I don't want to go into too many details again for reasons. But um, it it was also 
only a 90 minute movie so good right brilliant. so good brilliant can, can I, I can i tell you yeah. a slightly related but not related story sure. so sure. i was going to watch little mermaid yesterday mm. the live action one mm-hmm. but when i learned that the runtime was 2 hours and yeah. 15 minutes i refused and i canceled my a list ticket cuz i'm like look the original is 90 minutes i do not understand mm-hmm. how you added 45 minutes to a 90 minute movie yeah i i, I would give two hours to a movie that's worth it like let's say spider-verse but <clears throat> for a little mermaid i'm sorry no that's yeah, so i was just like so and it was like i can't do this on a weekday absolutely not it's like already mm-hmm. 8 30 like it's gonna be nine when the movie starts i'm like no we'll do this another time absolutely not yeah so when it comes to joyride you're actually left wanting more and i could see them totally do making this like a franchise like Hangover, right? So, yes, um, Joyride 2. Because yeah. it's like essentially they take these French, like, you know, a friend trip to a fun location every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and hijinks ensue. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll delve deeper into that later on, um, once it gets closer to premiere, which I believe is early July. So, um, but yes, I still wanted to give my general, uh, they, what they call the social media reactions, which is yes. thumbs up, very fun. See it with your friends. So. I do feel see like with your Asian Hangover friends. 2 and 3 weren't as good as the first one, though. Well, I don't know. Hangover in general has problems. But, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. It's still that sort of like canon of yeah. uh, comedies. <laughs> Sounds good. I can't wait to see it since I haven't. I'm the only one here that haven't. Yeah. That hasn't seen Loser. It yet. Wait, wait. I, I did. Did did I not forward you some email about screening? Because Probably, some but I ignored SGB. everything the last few days oh, okay. because well, I wasn't I can, in town. I can forward it again. It's in the SGV. So it's okay. I'm in the. I'll, I'm sure eventually I will see it. Probably in theaters with my mm-hmm. wife, assuming she doesn't ditch me to go watch it with her best friend. You can. She should watch it with her uh, friends. Oh, it's much uh, more fun with with female friends. Yeah, with, with um, your friend group that you get into shenanigans with. I was about to say you can get a plus one, Marvin. But anyway, oh. yeah, you I'll can have to check that email. Then. <laughs> okay. Yes. Anyway, so Marvin, you were out, but you still got some culture. What's I did poppin'? get some culture. Uh, Marvin went to his very first Broadway musical on Broadway. <gasps> his, your first one? Whoa, yeah. That's I did. Wow. What a what an interesting first musical. Well, the last <laughs> time I went to New York was 2019. And I had actually tried to watch the one that I saw, which is Hades Town. But the, the tickets were just way too expensive for like mm-hmm. my last minute like ticket buying. And before that, when I went to New York, I was poor. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> fair. <laughs> I mean, I look, mean, I've yeah. only seen one. Well, no, it was two things on Broadway. But the first one was Wicked and I got it through the lottery. Oh, you're lucky. And I was definitely poor. So, yeah, I had a a lot of good luck. I did win the lottery. I was poor, just fiscally irresponsible. I mean, yeah, I was uh, fiscally responsible poor. Or not really, because I spent all my money on drinks and partying instead. That was one Mm -hmm. of those like 4 a.m. bender New York trips. (laughs) So how was was it? What did you think of it? It was great. So I watched Hades Town, which is a, at this point, long running um, Broadway show. I think it just had their 1,000th show. On their Broadway run, it is a Tony Award-winning um, musical by Anais Mitchell, and it's a basically it's a folk opera retelling of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth mm. from Greek yes. mythology. Um, and it was really good; I really enjoyed it. Um, have any of you seen the show yet? 
Jeff? No. Um, <laughs> and I, I know the general premise <laughs> and I've seen like set photos and stills, but like um, I have not, I actually very deliberately have not listened to any of the music because I do want to see it eventually. Yeah. Uh, and like experience it like as a theater, live theater piece. They sent the Spotify soundtrack with the pre-show email they sent, sent everybody. I was like, no, I'm not listening to this. I'm going to go experience it oh, for, that's my, interesting. for myself. Um, and it was really good. The music was great. The set the design, the costumes. Um, it's a very, um, how would you describe it? It's, it's like a very, I guess. Um, I would say it's like a contemporary like, musical. Yeah, like it's, it's contemporary more conceptual. The, the costume is like, think like Steinbeck novels, like <laughs> Dust Bowl, Grapes of Wrath, like people mm-hmm. wearing like very, like that era. Like Great it's, Depression era stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the story takes place in a town off the railroad track on the way to the underworld. Mm. Oh, hence the name. Yeah, and the underworld in this story is essentially like an industrial dystopia that Hades rules over as like the rich industrialist who signs his workers into like unfair contracts. And basically, it's the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. Uh, and if you know the general beats of that story, it follows exactly those beats um i i love it i absolutely love it when <laughs> i talk to because you know a rendition of orpheus and eurydice is not new and it's it's literally like a greek myth it's thousands of years old and i love it whenever i talk to people and i'm like oh yeah and you know like he looks back and she goes back to hell everyone's like spoiler i'm like not really it's thousands <laughs> of years old yeah. Let and me tell you about. Let me, mm, let me tell I, you I don't about think the. You can uh, spoil. That's like saying like Jesus dies, <laughs> or it's like let me tell you about the Trojan War. Oh, what happened? Let me, don't let me spoil tell you about, Troy. Let me tell huh? you about Achilles. You know weakness right here. <laughs> You'll never guess where the arrow lands. Yes. <laughs> um, the best part is, um, for the first time in one of these like big musicals i did not get any understudies for the main leads so Woo! i got ava nobozada and reeve carney Ooh. as orpheus and eurydice um and they were ava is just amazing her voice that's great. so good i'm happy for you i'm happy yeah. that was a positive experience yeah that's for sure and in this version um eurydice is like a runaway kind of like she is the cynical world-weary drifter and orpheus as he is in Greek mythology, he's just a soft boy poet and musician. Little sweet boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sucker. <laughs> um, Things do not she, end well with She him. falls in hard times and is forced to sign a very exploitative work contract with Hades to work in his industry town. And Orpheus goes and tries to rescue her. Um, you mentioned that, you know, we all know, we're all familiar with the story of Orpheus and his journey into hell. Um, that being said... I was still rooting for them at the end. I was very, mm. very sad when that dumbass turned around. That is the tragedy, right? Yeah. But it's, it was a lot of fun. Um, the main, so I have still yet to go to a musical, whether in Broadway or at the Pantages here in LA, without sitting next to um, some sort of musical weirdo, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Explain. When I went to Hamilton, the guy sitting behind us was a singer. He sang oh. along to every single song and rapped along to every single lyric. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and then for Lion King, I think I mentioned this, not necessarily a weirdo, but I was sitting behind a very tall man who refused to slouch down. Wait, so a had, tall man? You behind someone? You couldn't Someone see taller him? than me. It was like wow. karmic 
um, yeah, revenge like, for everyone I did this to, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but I had no sight lines to the stage. It was, it was very sad. Um, and then for Hades Town, I was sitting in front of a mega fan. Like oh, no. this girl, the moment she sat down, she was just gushing about how excited she was. She's, she's listening to the cast album before the actual show to get pumped up. Sing along at first and was just weeping for like 90% of the play. <laughs> Like sniffles. Yeah, sorry, we're a crying. lot, and by we I mean like theater yeah. people. We're yeah. a lot. Sorry, um, but it was a lot of fun. My wife and I really enjoyed the show. The, the theater it's a it's at the Walter Kerr Theater, and it's a very it's a smaller theater. But um, we were like pretty. We're maybe five rows back from the uh, from the stage, and I've never been this close to a Broadway musical before. And it was really cool to actually see everyone's facial expressions up close. <laughs> Definitely, that's worth great. It. So yeah, um, watch Hades Town. I guess this technically could count as a go Asian because um, mm-hmm. there's two um, Asian cast members, one in the chorus and one is the the female lead. Um, and yeah, definitely. I think I think it's worth it. Um, it uses the Orpheus myth to touch on themes like climate change, capitalism, labor. There's there's some labor solidarity rights in there as well um you know it is a broader musical so it doesn't dive deep into it but the fact that it had the iconography was really cool and i will say one of the few main stage broadway shows totally written direct like creative with the the creative team of women behind it um which is cool and it's uh anais mitchell and rachel chafkin who famously who also did natasha pierre and the great comet of 1812 and that unfortunately still very rare (laughs) yeah Hmm. um so yeah definitely one of the highlights of my trip and now i'm glad to say that i am no longer a broadway virgin Virgin. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i feel like going to broadway makes you more of a virgin somehow it's like this weird like Weird alchemy, but yeah, I understand what you mean. Good for you, Marvin. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Um, Other things that happened this past week. We've crowned a new top chef. And to talk about that, it's time for our final podcast with the podcast for this top chef season. Go Asian. And once again, an Asian has been crowned the king of top chef. We we took it all the way, but I mean, let's be real. Had Sarah not fucked up the liver. Liver. Mm Mm-hmm. She would have won. Yeah. Uh, you think so? Even even oh, Tom yeah. Calicchio, someone tweeted that to him. He's like, so if she didn't mess up the liver, would she have won? He's like, correct. So wow. That, yeah. Because yeah they, you could tell they enjoyed her cooking mm-hmm. and her voice in the food more. Because I think Buddha just overworked his I mean, dishes. It, I think Buddha's menu was fantastic, right? You know, there's always going to be something. But the thing is, they were over the moon with hers like how creative how she put things together but that technical thing you cannot undercook liver and serve it to someone they cannot eat it that's a pretty Um, big no-no though that's a huge technical error and you know what it was her name on it but let's be amar was was like you want to cut this liver a little bit more it was amar (laughs) no amar asked her if she wanted to cut it oh so yeah she she said no we'll wait till the last minute so technically amar was trying to have her back i'm also just like you know you're gonna let the suit it's your you know you gotta decide what what things you're gonna be handling and if it's gonna be the major protein of your dish yeah well the other thing is she should have cut at least one but i know she didn't want to cut it because that would have like stopped the cooking process so that was the other thing so she was hoping that would stay cooking. Uh, she just gambled not right. Yeah. 
I thought Godfrey did pretty well too. I I think I, I, I felt pretty yeah. good with my like prediction that in the finale with more time and more freedom, Godfrey mm-hmm. would put up a pretty good I, fight. I was really excited for her his and he was so excited to use his animalitos, you know, the uh uh the grasshoppers. So was just, <laughs> and he was and he even said that in the uh finale uh finalist interview that my writer did that he was like I'm just going to keep on using more insects. So I was like, good for you to have a platform. Yeah, that but, is oh my the god, future. this homie. I mean, it is. It is. Homie burnt the beans again. Right. What is that that? I was like, sir, Third I mean, I, I can't say shit because I don't know really know how to make rice well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like I understand sometimes the simplest things are the hardest, but it's like, bro, third time in the same competition. I mean, that's yeah. rough. I would like yeah. to think that he counted on t- German Tom to watch the beans and German Tom fucked it up. Yeah. That, this was also in. this was also interesting on who they paired up with as their sous chef. Right, the moment that like Gabri chose second and he chose German Tom, I was oh, Gabri like, just lost the, lost the game right yeah. there. Who would who would willingly choose German Tom? I just, I just don't like that. I, I do. I did enjoy how tickled the French people were with Gabri's food and like mm-hmm. Mexican food in general, mm-hmm. and they're like oh. Oh, yeah. it's a little too like, spicy yes. for us, but I do enjoy it it. it. it was not a twist that they had been aware of because, of course, French food is seen as like the upper, you know, crust. And so, of course, you know, um, Buddha is well versed in French techniques. So even if they like his food, they probably wouldn't have been surprised by his food. Whereas Gabri was totally blowing their minds. <laughs> so that was great. And yeah. Sarah, too. Yeah, I thought that it was pea a... cake did look cool. I do want to try to make that. I think oh, she yes. put the recipe up on TikTok. Right. So the, the y'all should amazing. come over and I'll make pea cake. Oh, yes. Can we do that? Yes. Wasn't oh. enough to get you over your anti-Sarah bias? Her, her pea cake? No, I still don't <laughs> like her. Um, but I do think that it was even just from watching, like it was very obvious they wanted to give it to her and they mm-hmm. could not because of the liver. I also um, like the color of the cake because it was nice and green. It's so green. And I love pistachios. But, Same. you know, like I feel like Buddha has cooked a better menu. I feel like he just got too like yeah. frou-frou with it. And I just don't think that's where food is now um, yeah. overall. Like, and and um, and obviously like they couldn't fault his like technical abilities, right? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like, I'm just like, ooh, like, I'm like, can we get rid of a butterfly twill? Like, that is just so, like, chuggy at this yeah. point. <laughs> he, like, he, he didn't surprise anyone. And that was the thing. It's like he had cooked at such a high level with so many elements and molds and things like that already. There was no surprise. And I felt like that is why both Gabri and Sarah, like, sort of, like, su- like actually got a reaction out of the judges. Um, whereas this. Yeah. Like, eh. I mean, Buddha's style is very highly technical, so no one can doubt that he has the skills. But I think definitely um, Gabri and Sarah did hit them with more um, fun flavors. Yeah, just more like point of view, right? Like, like, you know, Sarah's cooking like elevated Kentucky food. And Gabri is giving them like Mexican flavors, which like again, this this little French woman has like never had before. She's just like, yeah. oh, what? <laughs> like, and and even with all all Gabri's like technical issues, which I could see that happening, she was just like, but it tasted so fun. Like yeah. it was so interesting. Yeah. And it's and, like, hey, let me introduce you to these chapulines, and, and they're like, what? It tastes nutty. <laughs> so. I did enjoy the Mexican judge kind of 
silently mm-hmm. judging his Mexican food. Yeah, you know, we, we are always harder on our own kind. Yes. I understand that. But woman, this is not the time at this table to be like nitpicking with uh, at Gabri. Because I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, if it was like a, if this was like German Tom making an empanada and like doing it not correctly and calling it empanada. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Gabri yeah. is doing, he is Mexican and he is mm-hmm. doing his like interpretation. I think that's like... Mm-hmm. My my girl, these French people do not get it. You gotta be a bit of more of a homie, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is not to say that I would ever turn down Buddha's food. By the way, no, uh, it, no. it might sound like we're critiquing him, but it's more of like we're I, just to his like excellence. So I feel like, like he's just cooked. Yeah, I think he's yeah. just set so high bar for himself already, <laughs> and I feel like he's cooked more interesting foods within this competition. And uh-huh. I feel like his last season was more interesting. Yeah, yeah. His this. The concept for this menu, I was kind of like, eh, I would have wanted, I get it was him, but at the same time, I almost wanted a more narrow focus that really he could have like, because I feel like sometimes when you set yourself more rules and restrictions, you get more creative. And I yes. felt like being like, well, I'm from these four different places and I'm representing each one in the dish. I was like, eh, so whatever. <laughs> so like if he just picked one, I would have been like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, um, and then other than the fact that it's your life, is there anything tying them right, together? Right? right, like right. if you're just talking about like conceptually the food, the menu, like it right. doesn't. Or if he also did, curry's a little heavy for a second. Yeah, of course. If, yeah, if he did his life, but said all street foods, but elevated or something like to make it narrow, that would have made more sense. Or or like maybe this was all a tribute to the first meals he's ever cooked, you know, but within the parameters of his life. So something I felt like was missing there as conceptually uh, for me to enjoy it. That uh, being said, yes, <laughs> he did win, which means he did win. Congrats. Uh, I still think, you know, I'm not I think that that decision makes sense in the mm-hmm. final meal, the right. final judging. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess after this, you can't come back. Right. So what is he going to do now? Uh, he, do, he, unless there's Top Chef Universe and he comes back for the Triple Crown, right? Right, right. He's 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 gonna um he's gonna be the guest judge, I'm sure, for stuff. But <laughs> I think he said he he's actually his sights are on getting a Michelin star, which that makes sense to me. So. Does he even yeah. have his own restaurant? Yet? He does. Um, he has uh, at least he has his own kitchen. He has a restaurant that's connected to a caviar bar. I think it's oh it's with six Markies, right? Yeah, Markies. I love Marky. Rachel Marky knows what's up. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I think he, his restaurant only has like six six tables a night, and it's like two fifty for the tasting menu. But there was a fire, I guess, uh, like a month ago, so it's been closed mm-hmm. for a while. He also um, recently uh, teamed up with Charbel for a meal, so I I have a oh, feeling that's he's cute. Yeah, he's probably going to do a lot of these sort of like promotional um, pop up type things in order to get the money to start doing the thing that he really wants to do, which is get the funds for the restaurant he wants to create. Um, and do that Michelin, you know, like go for that Michelin star like hard. So it's probably but like the fact that he won two back to back top yeah. chefs, it, it, I think he needs to stay with this promotional tour for a while. So that's um, fair. That's, yeah, that would be the smart thing to do. Yes. Yeah. He, I mean, I've been looking at his Instagram. He's still in Europe, like <laughs> <laughs> eating stuff. So I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Despite our Asian parenting of Buddha, we are this still This was very, very Asian of, of us to give him <laughs> right, notes even right. when he wants. Sorry, Buddha. Congratulations. We're really proud of you. You did great. You yeah. did great, kiddo. <laughs> um, but the other big news is this was Padma's last mm. episode as host of Top Chef. I know. 
Wow. That is sad. End of an era for sure. Um, and let's not forget that she actually wasn't there from season one. There yeah, was she's like the second host. Katie Lee Joel. <laughs> yeah, Billy Joel's like wife at the time. Or yeah, like wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I rewatched uh, season no. one. She was fine. She was totally fine, but she yeah. was also not memorable. Um, <laughs> Padma, uh, here's the other thing. Like, I think it was time for sure. I will miss her. But yes. she's got so many other things going on. Yes. She's, Very happy for yeah, her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I just feel like just keep watching this space. <laughs> the so. iron is hot for Asians right now. So she needs to go take advantage yeah. of the opportunity. I mean, and her show is so great. Like, Taste Nation is a really great show. And, you know, like, I totally respect her. She could do whatever she wants. Yeah. You only like it because it introduced you to Hot Chinese Farmer. I, mean, I love all that show. Okay. <laughs> I think the show is a very interesting take. And she's just so charming. Like, I she don't is. think. Top Chef, I think we got more of it towards the latter seasons, but you know, for a while, I don't think they really understood, or I don't, and I don't think the chefs really understood like Padma's place in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think with you know the revamp and kind of some of the restructuring and the f- emphasis on uh, you know diversity and not being racist and mm-hmm. super white, you know, she's obviously been like an asset, and I think they've like. Uh, and of course, as you go along, she probably has more power as an EP. Yeah. Um, but because like, honestly, like I was talking with my friend about this, where like Gail and Tom are kind of interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, whatever. It, Tom's uh, a great judge. He's very like he's mm-hmm. he knows his shit. Um, yeah. I feel like Gail can be replaced with like any other guest judge of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I do hope that the show does not revert now that Padma's gone. Um, I mean, who do you want to see? Who would you like to see as a as the replacement i mean i think they need to consistently stay with a uh non-man of color um yes and so there have been names floated out there uh which i would not be opposed to but i honestly also feel that maybe we just haven't seen this person yet who who should ascend to this role but like some of the names they've been talking about are past you know top chef people like melissa king uh kristen uh kish who I think would be fantastic. She's, But she's so busy, too. She's already hosting other things. So I'm not sure who it would be, but maybe an up-and-comer would be good. Someone who would um, be able to devote another 20 seasons. You know, <laughs> When you say up-and-comer, my mind thinks, are we getting an influencer? Is it going to be an influencer? No, no, no. no. It, it, no. Well, since these are obviously huge shoes to fill, so they need to actually be an actual, you know... Um, have a food background but like padma is like multilingual she's a polyglot so it's kind of like hard to sort of like replace her but i do feel like it should be someone who has a more global sort of outlook similar to her um so that's what i mean by an up-and-comer as far as not an influencer but maybe someone who hasn't had um the spotlight in this quite this way before yeah well, I guess that'll do it for this edition of Go Asian. Congratulations again to Buddha Lo uh, for winning his second title in a row. Um, yeah, can't wait to see what next season brings. Um, I think, yes, next up on the Go Asian slate would be Bake Off. Or maybe that sushi show. There's a sushi oh, show yeah. coming out soon. It's a sushi yeah. show? Co- oh, God. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> sushi Master. Sushi Master. Yeah, on Roku. Our boy Shota is a judge. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, oh, we'll see. Let me, let me see. Speaking of Shoda, Shoda follows the um, Japanese um, musician that I was talking about last. Oh, last nice. Week. <laughs> so I was like, "Hey." Anyway, 
Um, yeah, right. Sushi Master would be fun. I'm going to check it out. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about Spider-Man or Spider-Men <laughs> and women. We'll be right back. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Roman. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Raman and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah, Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lun Yang and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, um, the latest installment of the Sony animated Spider-Man um, franchise, following the story of Miles Morales um, as he is one year older, fighting crime around Brooklyn, and gets sucked into a multiverse of Spider-Men as he tries to join this elite crew and finds out he might have chewed out more than he bargained for. This film has a huge cast, including the return of Haley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, um, Shamik Moore as Miles Morales, um, and... You're bearing the lead here, mm-hmm. Marvin. Oscar Isaac is yes. Miguel O'Hara, caked up Spider-Man with fangs, okay? <laughs> Do not bury the lead. Jake Johnson also Did you not notice his Peter- cake? His cake? His ass. <laughs> I was not. What did he have a butt? I, I didn't. He I was, had a mate. Did he have a butt? He had the. I butt. was so yes. busy hearing the, like the distortion whenever he's on screen. That was pretty cool. The sound design. Also on the cast, Issa Rae as Jess Drew, the Spider Woman, um, Karen Sony as Pavitar Prabhakar, um, the Indian Spider Man. Daniel Kaluuya as Hobie Brown, Spider Punk, mm. and the villain in this installment is Jason Schwartzman as. The spot. That was good. He was great. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Everyone um, was great. Yeah. Among others, there's also I think Greta Lee has a role in this. She's like yeah. the uh, she's the little Leela, the little AI <laughs> thing that explains things. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I guess in general, what do we think of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? Okay, so I had a really great time, but here's the thing. I did not know this was part one. Uh, of yeah. a two-part movie and so that drastically affected my feelings of watching this because my pace clock was just off yeah <laughs> like i was very confused for like a large portion of the movie i'm like <laughs> they're spending a lot of time with this gwen stacy backstory mm-hmm. and then they're spending a lot of time getting to the multiverse and then I'm like, how much time do they have to like wrap this up? I'm very confused. And when I realized it was a two-parter, I'm like, 
Oh, and uh, so so that did color a little bit of just the experience for me. Um, but I just thought this is, you know, it's been the first one came out in 2018. It kind of like blew the like conceptions of what animated film could be out of the water. And I think this film continued to do that and kind of push what we as audience members expect to see in animated movies and to see like how you can actually use that medium to be creative and do the not Disney thing or do the not DreamWorks thing. Right. Um, And I just don't think anyone is doing that. And then I think again, it was really fun to have this like new spider character cohort in the, I think it's a good mix of new characters and like meeting old people uh, and having the old team back together. Um, but yeah, the uh, the not realizing it was half of a movie, the first half of a bigger movie really kind of did throw me off. And I have questions for y'all about that later. Yeah. I mean, I knew that the next film was coming out next year, but I was not aware that it was going to be a two-parter. I just thought it would be like two... Like the like second movie, yeah. right? Yeah, me too. I also had some like strong like this pacing of little off vibes for sure. Yeah, you just feel it, right? You're just like kind of sitting there. And you're like, I'm enjoying this, but I'm so confused right now. <laughs> um, but definitely has all the style, even more style maybe from than the first uh, Spider-Verse movie. And I had, I did have a really good time. I, I, I did. It was great to be back in these worlds, I guess. Han, yeah. how about you? Uh, I mean, there was literally a moment in during the movie where I was just like, I kind of had an existential moment where I was sitting outside myself and I was like, I can't believe I get to see this type of movie. And I was getting Aww. like verklempt because it was like, yes, the visual beauty of it was so worth seeing it in a theater if you can. But like, I was just also just knowing that the storytelling was something that you wouldn't have been able to see, you know, at any other time. And just even compared to all the other Marvel messes that I've been watching lately, I was just like, (laughs) the purity of the storytelling and what they, and their vision and what they were doing, I was just like, just, I don't know, I got really emotional. But here's the thing. It didn't even need great storytelling. I was just, if I was sitting there just for the vibes of the whole thing, I would have been happy. Because the soundtrack was killer. The pacing with the with the visuals was just like, ah, uh, it was so gorgeous that there were times that I was just watching the background. You know? And then I was like, oh, I got to pay attention to the story. So yeah. most likely I'm going to have to see this one again at some point. But yeah, I, I adored it. The fact that it is a two-parter is something I feel like we should talk about because it seems like... A lot of movies are doing this lately. And when I say a lot, I mean, I can think of two other instances, you know, Fast and the Furious. Um, and F- Mission Impossible. Oh, Mission Impossible. Well, I was thinking about Dune because literally like the first part of Dune, I was like, this is not a complete story. Like I'm used to sequels. Anyone who watches Marvel is used to sequels, but usually they tie off um, yes. the storytelling in a fairly satisfying way before teasing like yes, of course, there's going to be the universe that needs to be saved or something like that. This one did not. And so I do have to say, I was like, knowing how much work is required to bring a Spider-Verse to you is the only thing where I'm like, I'm assuming they already started, that they knew it was a two-parter, so it's already in the work. So we're not going to wait another whatever years that it was from one to two. But at the same time, I was just like, 
us. Like, I yeah. kind of want this now, or at least just to feel satisfied. So I, I just think it's kind of cheating. Like, mm. you didn't give me a real movie in terms of a story. You gave me half of a, like, I don't know. For me, like, to me, I'm just like, mm-hmm. then should this have been like, not saying it should have been a series, but then I'm like, there's a reason why we have series and there's a reason why we have movies, right? And mm-hmm. I do still kind of expect movies to at least wrap up enough enough instead of a literal like to be con- which i guess a cliffhanger I is a is a comic thing but i don't know like i for two sometimes I, f- I do feel like and i don't think the titling is as clear because you know mm-hmm. we know it's mission impossible part mm-hmm. one you know mm-hmm. dead reckoning part one or we know it's deathly hollows part one mm-hmm. so i was like oh i feel like i don't know i feel like like it, and it's hard to be like mad in the long run because it is so good and it's so beautiful and it's so well done. And but a part of me is like, oh, like I feel like this is a little like you violated the contract of what a movie is. <laughs> it did yeah. feel. I mean, it was less annoying than like Fast X's literal cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it did feel a little. I, I wish there was at least some sort of arc that closed for it to yes. feel like I watched a film. Yeah, right. I, yeah, yeah. Then I felt and, and 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 for me, like Fast X is like junk food, so I don't hold it to the right. standard that <laughs> I'm holding like Spider Verse to, uh-huh. um, because I do think that the the people behind the very talented people behind the Spider Verse who have obviously put so much care and thought, like I I believe in them enough to think they could have found a way to like make this the sequel movie instead of like just mm-hmm. the part one. Yeah. Yeah, that, but that, but then it's hard to be like again when you have some amazing shit like that chase sequence across the mul- like the spider multiverses chase sequence and you have like <laughs> you know Gwen's like beautiful like mood ring world and um I really really love Karen Sony as Indi- Mumbai Mumbatans I I just like the twist that like he's like the Asian Spider Man and he's like I have no problem with this at all like I am not tortured at all <laughs> this is great um and and uh yeah I I do like Karen Sony generally that is also kind mm-hmm. of his tempo his mm-hmm. characters that he plays um and just like the really funny like Easter eggs um and you know the script was co written by Dave Callahan who is mm-hmm. you know Asian brother we claim him and his some of his track record not so hot. Wonder Woman 2. Uh, but there are some really funny jokes in this. Like, oh, this is the British Museum. You know, all the things that they stole from us. <laughs> I was I like, did, that's fun. I, I did, enjoy this. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did take a second to like think about, wait, in this world where Mumbai is Manhattan, how is the British still like a power? If, like, mm-hmm. essentially America's India now. But I mean, that's just diving too hard into the world. You're going really. too deep. You're going, going too deep. Too deep. Um. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Well, Miles Morales, um, this version of Miles Morales remains a very great, relatable character. Um, I do like that. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like he's a lot more relatable than like Peter Parker has been for a while, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, look, I also I'm going to bring my my nephew into this one too, since I talked about him with Fast X. But you know, my nephew's name is Miles, and he also has a fro, and he has he is of of this uh brown color, and so it's kind of like. I, you know, it's really one of those things where I'm glad that there is a major um, superhero, not some sort of like side hero no one's heard of, you know, um, that is a person of color who is not, you know, canonically 
<laughs> so, um, but now is. Uh, so I really, I think Miles is an interesting character because also they let him mature. You know, he got buff. It, and and that that in itself was a different sort of thing that you get from superheroes, um, which uh, especially when they're young, because you don't get to see them mature that much. They usually stay young forever or something like that. So um, yeah. I was kind of happy that with, see, you know, revisiting him and his sort of uh, plot line when it came to his family, his parents. Yeah. And we also got a, a lot more into Gwen Stacy or Spider-Gwen. Um and her backstory too. Hitty Steinfeld still does a really good job with her character as well. She, I feel like if you need a character, a coming of age female lead <laughs> yeah. who's dealing with grief, uh-huh. Haley Steinfeld's your girl, man. I love she's done her. this. This is like her third time doing this character, and she's good in all of them. Yes. And um, you know, I do like, like, <laughs> I like how I don't know. I mean, we could. I'll say this for spoilers. Afterwards, okay. but like the solution in her world was so simple. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh, you could do that." Um, mm. And and I just think it's interesting how the story is becoming now a two-parter with Gwen and Miles. Um, and and I'm wondering how they're gonna find a way to make it come because again, this seems very TV. Mm-hmm. Right, where you have multiple storylines, and and again, movies we typically have one protagonist, but this is really Gwen's movie, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I guess there's a reason it's not called Miles Morales across the Spider Verse; it's mm-hmm. Spider Man, right? Because mm-hmm. like Spider Gwen is also a very popular alternate universe Spider character who had a very successful run in, in the comics yes. as well. Um, but I did enjoy that, like the theme of this film is a examination of the themes of spider-man right we know spider-man's theme is with great power comes great responsibility if you have power you're obligated to use it for the greater good but then who do you choose to save right it's the same it's the same dilemma that theme from um, fast x yeah (laughs) (laughs) um but then in this film they're kind of deconstructing that right they're they're asking like meta questions about what is the role of sacrifice in the hero's journey is that like is that required necessary necessary for someone to be a hero to become a good guy and also asking questions like is canon meant to be followed right mm-hmm. if this happens to spider-man every universe does this mean this has to happen every time and i think it's kind of it feels like a, mm-hmm. a shot at fandom who like go crazy anytime anyone deviates from like the themes of established canon yeah i i i, I love that um in general because i think when people argue about canon you know, it's almost always because they just want to keep something white, right? Uh, so, and, and it has really mm. very little to do with anything else. But they also feel like whatever other things they think are canon, you know, contribute, even though it might be like, I don't know, rape, you know, and things like that. So it's always, it's it's rarely about anything actually making sense to me. I think the other, of course, level to this is if you're talking about, you know, maintaining canon when it comes to Spider-Man and certain beats in his journey, um, it's the bigger question of like, do we actually control our fate or is it all predestined? You know, and so you can think about that, too, when it comes to your own storytelling in life, because, you know, a lot of people do believe in fate. And so they're like, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. 
you know, mm-hmm. the decision I made had already been determined. I was like, but you can pretend. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think there's a, that it kind of gets really deep in that aspect. And so, you know, seeing about who agrees or who decides in this movie, whether or not they believe in canon or the the merits of canon is interesting. Yeah. And then I think for like a viewer, like a person in the real world, it's like, you know, our version of canon is like the expectations of the life you're supposed to live or the things you're supposed Mm -hmm. to do. So do you have to follow that? And like, you know, I think related to that whole idea of like canon equal to whiteness, it's just like, oh, like is a stereotype canon, a version of canon or being canonical, right? Like what happens when you break from that or what happens? And like, you know, and I think, you know, Miles Hero's journey is just so inspiring because at the end of the day, it's still a coming of age story, which I fucking love. Right. Like, I think being a teenager is traumatizing enough uh, without being traumatized by, like, losing a parent figure or best friend. <laughs> and I think his version of Spider-Man explores just, you know, that in, in the angle of Spider-Man. But yeah, he's just like, you know, his like. his own stance of like what he believes is supposed to happen or not supposed to happen. I was like, that is some, that is some teenage brashness. And I respect that. (laughs) That is a decision you only can make when your frontal lobe is not formed. And, Mm -hmm. and that's usually portrayed as a negative. Um, And I kind of like how that's also spun as like, Oh, when you are so like dumb, almost not dumb, (laughs) but like, so like hopeful, in that stage that you you can do this and he does manage to you know do some pretty incredible things yeah Yeah. i also find interesting that this film explores the the role of death as a hero's motivation right like we talked a lot about fridging in in this in this series and Mm -hmm. how it's like just it's an outdated motivation for male characters right and it's very i feel like yeah you could just want to save people not (laughs) <laughs> just to save people and not because someone important died. Right, yeah, right. and it's very timely because right now, <clears throat> currently, this past like two weeks, they killed off Kamala Khan in the Spider-Man <gasps> comics mm-hmm. as a way to motivate Spider-Man. Yeah. No, they fridged a brown girl in 2023? Yeah. Yeah. And also as a means for their version of Harry Osborne's redemption. Oh, God. No! It's very. If you're in comic book Twitter right now, everyone's mad about it, except maybe white. People. Why would you? Who wrote this? Uh, I want to. I want to see some of this, this discourse and be outraged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my Twitter algorithm like doesn't really work anymore, so yeah. I'm missing everything. I'm like on Orca Talk, but you know how the orcas are organizing <laughs> yes, to like yes. ram boats, which I respect that they said solidarity with the working class. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm just I I oh that is so disappointing, Marvin. I know it's very sad. It's especially and it's very sad. But it, I, I thought it was really interesting that this um this film gets, that uh, across the Spider Verse can be seen as kind of a, a rebuttal to that. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, and there were so many Spider Men in this film. So many Spider Men. Was there too it's, much? Spider-Man? It's funny. No, no, no never. <laughs> we were not. There's so many Spider-Man I didn't even know <laughs> yeah. that I needed. Um, I fucking love. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna just list like my top five. Peter parked car. Yes, that was pretty good. Um, the little popsicle Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like like the deformed ice cream face Spider-Man on the popsicle. Love Lego Spider-Man. The mm-hmm. only one that um. You know, Daddy Spider. I'm calling him Daddy Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That Daddy sure. Spider-Man praises, of course. 
just Daddy Spider Man's ass, not not his whole thing because mm-hmm. he, you know he's problematic, mm-hmm. but his cake, mm-hmm. um, and and the horse Spider Man. Why does he need a mask? I love it. It doesn't matter. Oh my god, it doesn't it's matter. So but I love him. Yeah. I love all of them. So yeah, my favorites were probably the horse and Hobie. Um, oh Hobie, I wasn't even thinking about like the new like teammate friends they're, oh well they're yes great like I, the they're anarchist a lo- punk spider-man who's just like too who's cool even cooler <laughs> with the mask off yeah it was on. it was ridiculous because i was just like since i am not deep into the spider-verse comic books um i'm not aware of all the other side spider-man and um so hobie when they kept talking about this mysterious hobie i was like oh there's no way he's gonna like meet my expectations and i was like oh he exceeded them He's so and, great. And then, of course, being voiced by Daniel Kaluuya, who's uh-huh. just so fucking and cool, this, like himself. And with him, you also get the mixed media because since he's punk and anarchist and whatever, so you get sort of that that um, punk sort of newsprint style. Yeah, like the zine like style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The zine oh, is so, so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was it was visually whenever he was on screen, I was just like, yes, please. And um, and he was even cool off screen when he, there are other moments that I'm not going to spoil. But um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Hobie. Yeah. As an older fan of like the 90s runs of comic books, um, I did enjoy that they brought back Ben Riley, who is um, Scarlet Spider, um, ah. the um, the himbo Spider-Man. Yes. And also uh, Mayday Parker, who is um, Peter B. Parker's daughter, who is... Um, mm. Who has her own own run as Spider Girl in in another run of Ultimate Universe comics as well? I mean, you got the cute kid, um, yeah. and and we're ushering in the new generation of uh, action viewers, so <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, no, I kind of like I understand why we didn't spend that much time in this the sort of shared Spider Verse um, realm. But at the same time, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to I'm missing some stuff in the background. So I feel like oh, yeah. either they needed to give us more time. There's um, there's there's probably already whole YouTube videos where they can yeah. break down every single thing. We yeah, so I need I need YouTube videos. But I would also like it if they uh, release some uh, bonus content, too, um, because I'm sure that there are scenes they took out. So, yeah. um, yes, be, get on that, Sony. <laughs> I also okay so I'm also kind of laughing Han because I like how you were just like so in awe of everything and then I'm not gonna lie there were parts yeah. of this movie that made me kind of sick oh and like overwhelming and overstimulating uh-huh. I'm like ah oh, it's the ADD yes. it's the ADD yeah ADHD I was like good for you Han <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was I was kind of in my element so um there, there were some points in the middle where i'm like i'm so overstimulated like i don't know what to look at like i physically do not n- understand what to look at on this screen yeah, right the now entire sequence, everything is so colorful yeah the entire sequence in Mumbatan and also in like the the the, the lobby mm-hmm. which is so much going the on lobby yes oh my god the lobby when you're there mixing or when they're mixing like the guggenheim and like the like renaissance style and and you know i'm it almost looks like he's like at a different frame rate, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh my god! I'm like, what is happening? Because this is also kind of the first multiverse smash we get in this movie, and I'm just like, what is happening? But <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> I, the 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 Leonardo da Vinci drawing universe doesn't mm. look that fun. Yeah. It looks very brown. A yeah. lot of math. Yeah. Um. So you know, you know. Yeah, I mean, this multiverse already way more fun than the MCU multiverse movie. 
or movies mm. at this point. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it, they just I know do what they're think doing. Multiverses are like kind of cliche now. Um, and, you know, again, Spider-Verse came out in 2018 where, you know, before the whole everything everywhere all at once, like we lived in that discourse for a year. Um, but, you know, three is a hat trick, but it is they're just very uh, not saying lucky because they obviously work very hard and earn this. But it's just like it's so good. I think it makes the concept of a yeah. multiverse interesting. And it's just again. such a good Spider-Man movie. Like, yeah, Spider-Man action scenes are all like high flying. Very like I, I love that. Maybe it's because it is animated. They can go kind of crazy with the perspectives, like the scenes where. Um, spider people just walk upside down and you follow them from their perspective. Like all that stuff is really cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, I think this is the reason why multiverses, it has become cliche, but there are the standouts, like everything everywhere all at once in this one is because they understand the fun uh, and like infinite possibilities of what that is. And I think other, you know, properties that try to do the multiverse are kind of just like what if this one thing is different and then we just go deep on that and it's kind of like what if, if pizza is a ball yeah and it's kind of boring it's not really an interesting concept whatever they're pursuing uh, what if one person was dead you know it's kind of like eh, i don't care so um yeah i i think i mean if you even want to compare like just the spider-verse realm where all you see all the spider-men and then just miles's own world even that feels like such an adventure like when he's diving off a, a building you know that in itself is just like beautiful and gorgeous and just uh mm-hmm. it feels like endless like because he doesn't li- live on like just two dimensions you know he lives in three dimensions or whatever four mm-hmm. um so uh yeah and so the fact that just regular manhattan can be as exciting then when you up the ante with the with the multiverse i was like yes it this movie knows what it's doing because there's not a boring moment in this movie yeah you could just feel like i could see and feel just the like the care of all the animators who worked on this film and all of the like their love for not just like spider-man but like pop culture and storytelling and like uh like like you you don't get this much because again there's just so many details in this movie i just don't think unless everyone is working <laughs> on like a hundred and firing all cylinders that this it works you know like that you get this level of detail so i just was like oh like you know and like it's like i think this is what happens when you let millennials make movies yeah <laughs> it was also you know genuinely funny uh, I, genuinely funny yeah. laughed out loud several times yeah the lines are just so good and also they're just like very good um, sort of authentic ways of speaking and beats between uh, the dynamics between the family members I can't even remember the jokes really at this point just because they were so natural but um, I felt like yeah I, I got all of the my buttons pushed in this so it was good yeah. well when they say like all Spider-Men are funny that's their thing except for sexy daddy <laughs> caked up spider-man he's like the canonically the only yeah. not funny one yes. <laughs> i did not know the cake was used this way the oh, cake yes. oh yes yes oh i love cake too marvin the question is, um, is it there's cake? just like this one very unnecessary shot from his <laughs> from behind him 
Is it and it's just very obviously emphasizing his butt. And I'm like, oh, you did not have to shoot it this way. But thank you. Like, <laughs> that is an ass. Is it unnecessary? I don't know. No, it's <laughs> they're doing. <laughs> they're 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 giving the people what they, they want. They know yes. what they're doing. They definitely <laughs> they know, know what, what they're, they're doing. doing. All right, I'm sure there's stuff we want to talk about in our spoiler zone. But before we get to that, let's um, let's what's our verdict? Is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse good pop? Yeah. Yes, I will say though, I had another issue with sound mixing, which I think they corrected. They sent out a new version. When did and you see I it? I thought I was going insane. Yeah. I saw it like yeah, okay. a week ago and the first scene, the whole Gwen okay. Stacy prologue was very quiet and like unevenly mixed. Mm. And I thought it was just me like, cause I had issues with the first Spider-Man too. And the theater had like a broken speaker and like I, I walked out, I refused to watch it with like bad mm-hmm. sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a baby crying. Oh, cause I, I'm like, who brings a baby? Don't bring your baby to a 9 PM screening. Like an 18-month-old to a 9 p.m. screaming. That's insane. But that's not the movie's fault. But I'm saying, you know, yes, good. Hope my next experience watching a Spider-Verse movie is better than my first two in terms of audience etiquette. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I adored this movie. This is... Every now and then when you see a really great movie, you're like, yeah, this is what filmmaking is. And... um, and I think all the grousing we had about the end of the storytelling being a two-parter is more of just because we wanted more. Um, so so don't let that deter you. You will still have an amazing time. Uh, I, I And I also just feel like this is a movie I will probably rewatch a few more times at some point. So it's not like I'm going to be, you know, and there's tons of things to keep an eye out for even um, after having seen it. So, yeah, go yeah. for it. I mean, I'm an adult with adult responsibilities, but mm-hmm. I would have watched that four-hour cut of both yeah. movies. Yeah, and yeah, let's do like a little it. intermission. Give us an intermission and make people buy food yeah. and support. I think RRR proved that people are willing to watch mm-hmm. a long film if there's an intermission. I I would totally do this at the uh, Alamo, though. Yeah. With, um, with that said, definitely good pop. I enjoyed this a lot, and you know, it's if you liked. Into the Spider-Verse, you'll enjoy this one as well. So uh. Honestly, I'm very excited not just to see how this will affect the rest of the animation industry and the movies they're willing to make. Mm-hmm. We'll see that probably in five to ten years. Mm-hmm. And then I'm very excited to see what today's generation, which will be raised on this kind of animated movie, hopefully going forward, what they will then begin to create. Yeah. But we'll have to wait like 40 years for that. 30, 40 years for that. Will we still be into animation by then? Oh, I love animation. animation for yeah, always. I will watch any animated film. Yeah. Um, except maybe the Kraken one that they're really pushing in the... <laughs> in the, in the, in the, in the uh, we should I don't watch, think that's for um, me. Elementals. Apparently that's a very Asian American story. Yeah, Leah Lewis. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for our non-spoiler discussion of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, before we get to our spoiler zone, um, Just Han, people want to find out more of your thoughts. Where can they go? I'm still on Twitter at Just You Tweets. Yeah, and I am hanging on at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin. You can find our show Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah. Um, Thanks for joining us on this episode of Good Pop. Um, Stick around for our spoiler chat. Uh, And until next time, bye everybody. Bye.
Ryan, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. All right, um, really quick spoiler chat before Jess has to fly off to New York to visit the home of Miles Morales. <laughs> Where do you want to start? I mean, why don't we start with the big spoiler of the end, the cliffhanger? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is basically that he uh, ends up going to the universe um, where he where? think. Well, he thought he was going home, but he ends up actually going to the universe where the spider that bit him came from. So yeah, that, which man, the long con really planned out. They did, they did tease it, and I was like, "Wait, that spider is not from his universe." So right. maybe I'm too observative, and I caught yeah. it before the well, reveal. Also, forty-two is a very uh, important number for um, sci-fi nerds, so they definitely made it like obvious <laughs> to pay attention to. But what the upshot is is because he was bitten by the uh, universe. Universe 42 uh, spider, that means that the Miles in this universe did not get bitten by the spider. So he. And this one doesn't have a Spider Man. So he's not a Spider Man. 42 yeah. doesn't have a Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. So instead, the Miles here is uh, evil, or at least supposedly evil. And um, he is now the character that his uncle was, which was, what's it called? The Claw? The Prowler. The Prowler. Yeah, so he is now face-to-face with himself, possibly with the Prowler about to kill him. <laughs> so uh, that was a major cliffhanger, which I was like, come on. Uh, like, obviously, he's going to get out of it. But um, yeah, that that for me, I was like, I get that you want to set up that you're in a different universe, but I, in some ways, I didn't want to put him in peril. I think that was maybe a couple of steps too far. Maybe if he was just like, oh, great, I'm home. And then all of a sudden you he kind of sees things and, and he's like, oh, something's weird or off. Then I would have been like, okay, that kind of is an okay ending. But the fact- Or even if the ending was him realizing I'm not home. Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah, like it, the fact that they then introduced too, too many elements, which was the uncle, his alternative- um, miles and stuff like that meant that I felt like I was getting too deep into this second storyline. But then, did yes. it make you want to watch the next movie right away? Yeah, I mean, but my thing is like, Mission oh, it's so Thomas. funny because the all Gwen Stacy's dad had to do was not be a cop anymore. Yeah, which, I was like, I was like, well, that was a convenient and very easy solution. Merely do not be a cop, which you know, <laughs> again, first movie was in 2018, like before the BLM uprisings and our like deeper understanding of like cop culture and like, you know, cops and anti-blackness. And, and I was just like, Oh, like it is kind of weird to see like his black father mm-hmm. be an NYPD officer. Yeah. And go up for and promotion. If the whole, yeah. And if the whole thing is a captain needs to die, merely do not take the promotion my dude yeah it it solved it for you i did wonder how that'll work so like in gwen stacy's world now because her father is no longer a captain does that mean some rando other captain is just gonna die and like spider-man's like whatever well it's undetermined i think we need to follow that her world and see what happens because uh it was not her choice she did not interfere her father made the choice i'm just like hmm interesting 
Um, because I think the reason why um, uh, whatever the ninja assa- uh, assassin Spider-Man. Um, the cake I, man. Oscar Isaac. What the was his name? Man. The cake man. The cake man. The ca- cake man. <laughs> the claw man. Cake daddy yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. He was so upset was because he was he had a catastrophic result of not following canon. Right. So I'm just like it didn't go deep. But apparently, you know, like. There were deaths yeah. involved. Family, I wonder, so. like, I wonder what it's all leading up to, right? Are we going to get some sort of like meta-breaking scene, a la She-Hulk, where like we find out that the multiverse is run by like the audience, or like, like who makes these rules and who, like, when yeah. do they say what's what, what it applies to, right? Is there like an arbiter? Is there like, I, I don't, well, not that I, I wanted to get that complicated, but it's like, it seems like everyone's interpreting things differently right well that's what i was thinking it's like i don't think that there are rules being made but i think that the people who are in charge are interpreting things in a certain way so they aren't say like their interpretations doesn't necessarily mean that they are correct so i don't think necessarily think we're gonna get a meta audience sort of situation where we step outside of stuff um i think the spider verse i think is the (laughs) Is the actual reality, and we are not in it. Hopefully, um, but uh, but yeah. we are though because no, we well, obviously one. see Tobey Maguire, we see uh, <laughs> uh, Donald Garfield. Glover, um, Aaron Davis. Like, yeah. there's a like that was weird. The Spider Verse is definitely like, but we're not making. The I rules. mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, um, <laughs> so, or at least I don't think we are. Hopefully not, because I I would not like that too much. I I it would take me out of it a little bit. I think. Yeah, but I do like the. I always love themes of fighting its fate. Right, like mm-hmm. any one time you go against fate or people who, yes, like, de- um, like people who um, claim to be like the arbiters or enforcers of fate. Like, I love those yeah. stories because mm-hmm. um, I think that's those are exciting, right? When you're fighting against, like, anytime you're fighting against the status quo, yeah, I, is, I, I, is I like story. Well, this is why I love Hobie. He's you know into anarchy, so it's <laughs> <laughs> you have to you, you have to be the rebel um, who decides that what everyone's telling you is not right. So uh, I'm all down for changing your fate and uh, doing the things that people say or you're not, you're not supposed to I'm, do. I'm also just like, you know, like did everyone follow the, all these Spider-Man fall asleep in government class? It's, like, it's weird. You need, a, you need separation of power and you need checks and balances. You can't be judged during executioner as hot as you are. Daddy cake Spider-Man. <laughs> it, it, it's odd to me how many of them are following him. And I don't know if that's just because most Spider-Men do that or spider people. But I love the fact that Gwen Stacy did uh, head up a sort of rebel faction of spider people or spider folks um, that I get, we get to hopefully see, you know, in this second part. Um, so, cause I was like, finally some people are actually like bucking up against the leaders. Um, yeah. Like just because this bad thing happened to you doesn't mean it has happened to the next guy. Right. 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 And it, it's the overreaction to anything that happens is always something that like pisses me uh, off, it, but it's good. It's also like you have, all million spider people and isn't canonically you're all geniuses like you figure something out that like (laughs) because they were able they're able to contain some of it already right yeah you develop that technology to like multiverse jump and all this stuff like figure it out you could do it (laughs) uh but you were saying marvin that you probably had a favorite easter egg so what was that because i don't know if i'm wise enough to um I mean, the Ben Riley Scar Spider was pretty cool. I did. I was really tickled by the um, 
when Donald Glover showed up as MCU mm, yes. Aaron Davis. That was fun. That was actually pretty cool. And of course, they had to like plug, you know, uh, Andrew Garfield and Toby McGuire and Tom Holland in like little like blips here and there because you know you got that archival footage, you paid for it. I best use it. Okay, so my Easter egg is probably when they're out, they're all pointing at each other. They did the Spider Man. That was pretty good. They yeah. did was... waste it on the trailer though. I wish they didn't do that. That right. was a good like I... hype moment. <laughs> I didn't watch the trailer because I didn't want to be spoiled. So I, I'm glad that I got in there fresh. Um, but yeah, so I definitely caught that. <laughs> yeah. I just like how like the only Spider-Man that Daddy Cake Spider-Man is nice to is the Lego Spider-Man. <laughs> He's like, you're one of my best agents. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty good with the, with the baby, though. Like, uh, he treated yeah. her pretty, like, pretty he, gently. He is a father. Even though he was annoyed at her. Yeah. Um, that was good choreography with the baby, I thought. Yeah. Jake Johnson Spider-Man is still pretty. Mm-hmm. I want to see, I, I would like to see a sitcom with Jake Johnson Spider-Man being a dad. I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, most of these characters I would watch in their own little things. So. Yeah. But we're not getting those, which is why we're getting a movie with all of them. Uh, that's fine. Which is fine. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for our Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Spoiler Zone. Um, yeah. Can't wait for beyond the spider-verse which is coming out next year luckily we don't have to wait too long just you know the length of a it's like a whole it's like waiting for the next season of tv yeah yeah all right we'll see y'all next time bye everybody Bye. bye